how'd the move go? Um, do you want to hear about that right now? Or whatever, do you, uh, how do we, what do we want to talk about today? Comforter and counselor, administrator and teacher, spirit-led truth-seeker, minister and janitor, prophet, preacher, sermon leader, Welcome to What the Hell is a Pastor, a podcast about life in set-apart ministry. Each week, we sit down to talk about our experiences and challenges as pastors doing small-town ministry during uncertain times. Join us as we try to figure out what the hell it is that pastors do and how to do it as best we can. So, Ethan, how was your week this week? Oh, um... Well, I moved out of the parsonage of the church. Okay. Uh, and that, that was the big thing. Um, and, and we'll talk more about what that means for the next two weeks of my ministry, because it'll be my last two weeks. Um, but, uh, hmm, hmm, hmm. Uh, it, was, uh, it was quite a time. It was quite a time. So, <laughs> uh, so, m- we found out about that we were moving April 13th. Um, and so let me say May, you know, just about the beginning of May, we had finalized movers because conference was not moving me. Right. Um, which is its own kind of collection of, on one hand, uh, you know, at best it's annoying that they're not moving me, but at worst it's also like a, um, kind of a, a, a strange breakdown in the system. Like, so listeners, because Methodist pastors are itinerant, meaning we we're we're placed at churches and then we're moved, you know, at, at different times. Uh, because Methodist pastors are that way, our conference um, pays uh, to have us moved professionally, which is great. You know, we we still have to pay taxes on that now, but but like still, it was really good. And it, and it is very good. And the, the reason for them doing that is, is simple. It's not really a favor. They're not doing this as a favor to us, even though, uh, at least in my conference, they try to make it sound like it's a favor. Um, but they do this in order to guarantee kind of a peaceful transition, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like they have to, actually. It, it's just one of those things. Like, because a new pastor is coming into the house and the old pastor is leaving the house, the only way to guarantee that that will work is for conference to just pay for the move and to just coordinate the time and, and do it that way. And, uh, and so they, they didn't do that for me because I'm not going to another church, but you know, whatever. And so at the beginning of May, we, we researched a ton of movers and um, we met this, this moving company uh, that quoted us uh, at a pretty low price because it's pretty expensive to move. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they quoted us at a, at a pretty low price. And their reasoning behind that was there was a few reasons behind that. Like they gave us some discounts and, and they were really nice to us. And they, they uh, you know, they, they, there were a few different things. 
And so we, they quoted us the price. We said, yes, that sounds great. We got it all figured out. Boom, that's what we're going with. Um, and then we proceeded to save. Like we saved a ton and we, we saved money for the summer when we were paying rent on our new place before I was going to start receiving my stipend from the University of Virginia. We paid, you know, we, 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 we saved money to, to pay for a couple of other things and we saved money for the movers. Okay, so movers arrive. Uh, they arrive Monday of this week. And okay. so we're recording on Wednesday. So they arrive Monday of this week. They show up. They're four, you know, really nice moving guys. And they're like, hello, you know, we're here to move your, your stuff. I'm like, great. And they, they're like, can we get a tour of the house so we can you know, see where everything is? Sure. And so we tour them the house. You know, we have everything's packed and the car is, is full of stuff. And our car is for stuff that we're taking now. We've got this whole plan. And they go through the house and I could tell the lead guys like, hmm. Hmm. So we finish the tour of the house. He takes out his, the contract that he has and he gives it to us and says is this the most recent contract we looked at it and we're like no this is the contract that doesn't include any boxes no and uh, now we had that resolved we resolved that two and a half weeks ago because there was some confusion and we, we resolved all of it mm-hmm. um and he's like, okay. And he takes Beth and I aside and he shows us the truck. And he's like, okay, you see these slats here on in the inside of the truck? We're like, yeah. Those indicate X number of, of square footage set aside for a group of, of people. Okay, for, for, for a move. Uh, this contract says that you, you, you're, you know, paid for or going to pay for reserved, let's say, two of these slots. Okay. And he's like, what I just walked through, we might be able to put it on the truck in seven. Wow. And he's like, but maybe not. We might need to fill the rest of the truck. And we just kind of stare at him. And he's like, let me draw you up a, a new contract. Draws us up a new contract. Um, we The original quote, Joe, was for $2,600. Uh-huh. The, the new contract that he drew up was $7,600. Holy shit. We just kind of stared in shock. We're like, uh, okay. And we're totally shocked. They're not going to start putting anything on the truck until we sign the contract. There's nobody really to call. We kind of look at each other. We're just sitting with all of our stuff. You know, all of our stuff's ready. Like, we have to be out of the house. And so we sign it. Wow. And uh, about 15 minutes later, you know, I call my dad and my dad's, my dad's like, okay, well, they can't do that. Like, like this is, this is obviously not those four guys fault. Like it's obviously not the guys driving the truck's fault. Mm -hmm. Like this is, this is the, you know, the company's fault. We need to get in contact with the company and and say, "Mm, what did we miss? What, where did you screw up? (laughs) You know, because, 
And I was like, well, we signed it. And my dad's like, shoot. <laughs> he signed it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we signed it. What are we, they weren't going to do anything. Like, what are we going to do? Sit there with our stuff and then they leave? Like, like we're, we're screwed, you know? We have to be out of the house. Right. Side, this is why conference just should have done it. Because there's no, there's no way to guarantee, you know. But, but like, we, we, we had enough money, like, we would have lost all of our lost all of our savings, but we technically had enough money to do it, and so we signed it. And so we walked around like a zombie for five hours. Oh yeah. Um, while they while they were filling the truck. Um. At around hour four, they came over to us, and they were like, "We are not going to be able to do it in seven slots. We're going to need to fill the whole truck. So the price is going to go up." Uh, and and the final price was twelve thousand dollars. What? Yeah. And so that's when we started a GoFundMe. And so we started this GoFundMe, um, and we were like, and Beth, uh, Beth had filled out this GoFundMe and filled out the the uh, um, description, and he handed it to me to look at. And she included a paragraph of just like utter slander against the United Methodist Church. And I was like, <laughs> we need to, we need to delete this paragraph. We can't actually put that on, 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 online. Yes. She's like, fine, <laughs> fine. And so I deleted it. Uh, and we put it on. The price ended up being 12000 And they're finishing sitting, putting stuff on the truck. And we're just, you know, we don't have $12,000. And even if we did, we'd have no more money. Right. You know, and, and so I'm thinking, okay, well, um, we have enough gas in our car to make it to your parents' house. So we don't need to get gas. We haven't eaten since this morning, but we have some food left over. We can have a pop tart, you know, and I'm, yeah. I'm just trying to get us. Adrea is with my mom. Like my mom took Adrea to be with her. So like, so that's all fine. You know, I call like my parents know what's going like. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, the GoFundMe had been live for about 30 minutes and folks had been donating and it was really good. Like, like we, we, and they're still donating. We're really thankful. Um, but I got a phone call from one of the, one of the old ladies at my church. She called, she was like, hi, what is going on? My granddaughter, my granddaughter said, you have a GoFundMe on your Facebook. What, what's happening? And so, like, I, I kind of told her. I was like, well, and I, and I kind of gave her what had happened. And she was like, oh, my gosh. Like, well, it sounds like you're getting robbed. It sounds like these are bandits that are robbing you. And, I mean, and they're literal highwaymen. Like, like this, <laughs> if, this were the middle, if this was the Middle Ages, it would be the equivalent of us moving from our one town in France to a, to a few towns over. And then in the middle of the night, bandits arrive and they're like, would you like to keep moving your stuff? All of your money, please. Like, like, like it's, it's the same thing. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, yeah, I, I guess. And then I said, we'll figure it out. Like I, you know, I try to do the pastor thing mm-hmm. and she, and she said, well, I can give you $10,000. What? And I was kind of quiet and I was like, uh, um, and she's like, none of that. I'll see you in five minutes. 
And what? she and her husband and she and her husband pulled into the parking lot, came over and handed me a check, and said, "I can't believe I'm paying you to leave my t- my church." Oh. Because all I want you to do is stay. But here you go. And she handed me a check for ten thousand dollars. Wow. And so I began to sort of openly weep and, and like she, you know, held me in her arms and told me she loved me and that everything was okay. And, you know, <laughs> wow. She, she said things like, Pastor, aren't we supposed to help people? Like, <laughs> isn't that what you'd say for three years? And, and I was like, but, but, uh, so. Wow. Man, I, I, my brain is just spinning because this whole thing is, whew. And I guess it's like the equivalent of like a church person donating to your GoFundMe. It's not like you're like taking, I don't know, like the, I'm trying to think of the ethics of this because you're still a pastor, but like also, I, oh man, so like they should, whew, I have so many thoughts. I have so many thoughts about the situation and who you should be able to sue. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's what all of our friends are doing too. They were like, well, let's, let's rip this company apart. Let's destroy them. Beth, Beth is a little worried that they're not going to give us our stuff back. They're supposed to deliver stuff tomorrow. We don't know the time. We know they are coming tomorrow, but we don't know when. Like, so, so let me tell you how the story kind of ends. So after I'm done weeping openly and Beth is done weeping openly and 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 then they were like, well, you're going to have to come visit us now. And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. You know, <laughs> I guess so. Like they leave. Guys are done on the truck and, and we have to, we have to pay 75% of, of it what? Uh, now. And so, and so I, I, I cut a check for all the money in my bank account and I hand it to them, you know, and I'm, I'm like, Oh boy. So I, I, I give them nine grand, which is a hundred percent of the money that we had in our account. And, uh, and they were like, okay. And, and well, you know, they, they were like, okay, so the crew that's going to move you in, you know, can you give me some ideas on, you know, any, any like things we need that that crew need to know. And they were like, well, we've already said that it's, it's going to be a condo and it's going to be on the third floor. And they're like, okay. You know, and that's going to be a tough, that's going to be hard, but, but that's how it is. And, and, uh, you know, it's 75 bucks per flight of stairs. And I was like, yeah, we know, we already know that. And so, and so we had, and they were like, okay, well, you have to pay the the last 25% of this in cash um, when they arrive. What? We're like, Okay. <laughs> So <laughs> we don't know how they're going to screw us over again, but we'll see. Man, we've see. been on the phone. We've been on the phone with the company and, and we have a case and, and all that. So, wow. I oh. see stories like this are why I, so I moved myself. I did not get professional movers. I rented a truck to move down here. Uh, Cause I was moving from DC. It was at a conference. There's a whole, there's a whole thing with it uh and i wasn't gonna pay movers and stuff like this just like 
I, uh, I don't want, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal. Like, this is a horror story. This is the, uh, despite the fact that like church people are great and it's very heartfelt. This is a horror story to me. Uh, like, no, I don't, it is. It is. I don't have $9,000 in my savings. I have 700 that I'm going to have to empty out to pay taxes. <laughs> like, right. I, oh man. <sighs> Sorry. No, it's it don't no, no, you're fine. Like it is a horror story. Like like you know, if if we didn't have generous people, both both the the couple who donated the huge amount of money and the folks our friends and family who are donating money to our GoFundMe, like if we didn't have that, I mean we'd be in trouble. Like we didn't take down the GoFundMe simply because like what so like what effectively what um this couple who donated the $10,000 has done is they've essentially restored our savings. Right. You know, like, like they've, they've made it. And, and by the way, it wasn't our savings that it was our savings that got taken out. It was everything like nine yeah. grand was 100% of the money we had. And so like what this couple has done for us is basically made it so that in, so that now we have to pay three grand of cash. Wow. You know what I mean? So like, it was as if we didn't have to pay that nine grand. We did, but it was, but thanks to their donation. Now, now we're back at where we were ultimately before we had to pay nine grand, <laughs> but, but now we still have to pay more than we expected. Like we had, we had cash out, like we had sold some furniture and it had, had cash out knowing that this cash was going to go to movers. Mm -hmm. We had already paid a $1,200 deposit. Yeah. You know, on, on this moving stuff, like it's already been, there, there's already a chunk of money that we had paid. And so the GoFundMe, basically we didn't take down the GoFundMe after that donation for that reason. Like, okay, so now we need to come up essentially with three, with three grand and whatever dickery they're going to, they're going to do, you know, when they arrived on Thursday, you know, yeah. And it's not like you can call up another moving company that day. Like that's not how moving yeah, works. It's, it's just not how it works. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's not good. It's not good. We are, we are beyond grateful. If, if they would not have come, I actually don't know what would have happened. Um, I actually don't. I, I mean, we would have made it to, to my in-laws house with the stuff that we had in our car and we would have had zero dollars you know yeah. what i mean like like and and there there would have been no way to pay we had bills coming up there'd be no way to pay bills we had no there'd be no way to um pay them when they arrive on thursday we would need to have borrowed money for gas to get to Charlottesville. Yeah. Like it just would have been it. So this is, this is tremendous, tremendous grace. Um, and we appreciate it, you know, immensely, but you're right. It's a horror story. Holy crap. You know, yeah. like it's, it's just, it, it, it's crazy. 
Yeah, and I I just really want to real fast talk about wealth in this wealthiest country in the world because I like stuff like this highlights for for the generation above us who have savings, who have the money coming in, who have <laughs> investments, uh, and who have like generational wealth for for a lot of them like this kind of thing like you can cover an expense like this and like it it might hurt somebody's bank account somewhere but like it's doable but like i don't know many millennials who like could have just handled this and could have just shelled out that and and i am friends primarily with white millennials um and a few of the people of color that I do know are like firmly middle class and like their family has worked hard to get to a stable financial situation. But like mm. most of everybody I know would have been ruined by this. Like would, yeah. would have just had to cancel, like would have lost the deposit that you put in because they would have to cancel these movers because nobody, you know, could pay this. Like nobody would be able to help with this. And uh, it's just, it is so frustrating that like other people would hear uh, like I emptied out my savings, I emptied out my bank accounts and it was nine grand. And like, I am thinking the last time that I possessed nine grand and it was uh, when I got the full travel scholarship that they paid in a lump sum for by two months in Europe after college. Like that was the last time I had anything like that amount of money. Mm. And, and my parents can't help with these kind of things. Like this is... <laughs> I take these like surveys because I got a, a scholarship from my conference that came along with like financial planning and things. And uh, so I get these surveys and um, they talk about like financial literacy. And then one of the questions is like, how, um, how much anxiety does your financial situation like add to your life? And I'm always like, that's a hard nine. Uh, and they're like, do you feel like you have the skills you need to manage your financial situation? And I'm like, oh, I certainly have the skills. Like I'm not dumb with money. I, I am good about these things. It's just that in existence, my expenses are more than what I get paid. And I just had to have my salary approved by my two new churches. I make $36,000 a year. And yeah, my housing is covered on top of that. And I'm really excited about that. But like the minute student loans come back due again, I am like, I, I just don't have the money. It's just not there. Right. Ugh, now, I want to I want to make something clear. The only reason that we had nine grand in my bank account, uh, there's there's only two. There's two reasons. One, we, we did a we did a massive save. Like like we we began to to cut so much, like like to the point where we were kind of like, um, well. Do we have food in the house? Yeah. Okay. Are the bills paid? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, we can't do anything else ever. So here we go. We and we put it away. And 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 mostly why we have that nine grand is because my wife and my daughter got into a car accident two months ago. Oh right. <laughs> and, 
and and this is the insurance butt money from the car accident. Wow. So, so like, I want to make that clear. Like, like most of that money came from a car accident. Yeah. Like, and I, I don't want the whole episode to be about No, no, I, I don't want it to either. I don't want it to either. But I, like, I do want to just point to this reality. Like, if uh, listeners, if you have other people in your lives who think that, like, life is just easy and we're not buying houses because of avocado toast, like, the financial situation is actually a lot more dire. And the economy is not going to recover anytime soon. Like, I don't, I don't mean to panic anybody. I just mean that if you are comfortable, you need to start thinking about poverty in America because it's a, it's a real thing and it reaches further than you think it does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. And now, so I'm very grateful um, to, to kind of put a pin in this whole thing. Like I'm very grateful. I see what happened to me and my family as um, you know, just really generous people and continue to be very generous people as, as this GoFundMe is going. And as this couple from the church did this, like um, real generosity, real, real God driven generosity mm. uh, in a, in a really terrible situation that should not have happened. Yeah. You know, and, and so I want to celebrate that generosity. Like I want to, and I do, and I, and I'm exceedingly grateful because you know, there, there are people who, who are free with their money, who, who, you know, from everywhere who, who recognize, mm-hmm. Hey, like we all need help and, and we're free with their money. I think what is awful is that, and, and this is what some of our friends who want us to sue and not let up on this. Uh, what is awful is that, is that this is, this is directly because of bad and exploitive business practices. Exactly. You know, like, like the only reason people have to be this generous is because people are, is because there's another group of people and another company of people who, who want to rob other people. Yeah. You know, goodness. And, and so it's, um, yeah, like, like I'm holding both of those things. You know, I, I, and, and I, it's, it's certainly not that I, I, I want to have this conversation about wealth inequality and, and, and sinful business practices and, and stuff like that. But, but for me right now, the story is a story of generosity mm-hmm. where, where people um, came upon our family and con- my family and continued to come upon my family and say, you know, no, we need to get you. We need to get, you know, we're, we're going to help, you know, we're going to, we're going to help take care of you guys and, and, and make sure that, that you're okay. And that is huge. Like mm-hmm. I am very grateful for that. And um, if it would not have happened, I, I don't know what we would have done. Yeah. And so uh, but but you're right, Joe. Like, like I don't want to be. I, I'm not trying to cast it like those viral stories we sometimes see on Facebook. Like, you know, this seven year old's mother has t- cancer, and the doctors won't help her unless uh, right. <laughs> they won't help her. And so, isn't it heartwarming to see this kid start a lemonade stand for his mom's cancer? Like, no, it's not. 
That's it's horrific not. and tragic. It's late stage capitalism. Like. Yeah. Or, or actually, I saw on Twitter the other day, somebody was like, what if this is early stage capitalism? Uh, <laughs> you know what I keep thinking is like, what if you were black? You know, like, what if you did not have the general generational wealth that like whiteness has in this country? Like, sure. yeah, yeah. Uh, no, you're right. You're right. Um, yeah, exactly it, right. I I'm glad you're in a position where people could be generous. Like I'm I'm so thankful that like this this was taken care of. Uh, I just all the stuff makes you really want to talk about uh, Louis Giglio and <laughs> and this idea of of blessing when it's really just you know capitalism gone wrong and us not uh, investigating the systems that we live in. But I think we'll save that for the minisode. Um, yeah. Do you have any other, any other thoughts about the move about all this kind of stuff? I'm glad. Uh, no, I'm not. I might have more thoughts uh, next week after I'm finally in Charlottesville and the second part of the move is over, but <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see how, we'll see how we're continued to be robbed. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, so what's going on with you, Joe? I hear that you have some exciting new things going on with with you as a pastor oh yeah <laughs> we added another church to my charge which we've All been right. talking about yeah uh so you that, got another kinda... one <laughs> another I, so I, I took it yeah right. well and it's um i did not take it because i felt called to do more it's really like a financial thing which i've been explaining to people i just posted on facebook about the new church um because I just had my meeting with them. And it's really that like my church anticipated having a difficult financial year this year. And their, their biggest concern in keeping me as a full-time pastor was being able to pay me, which I appreciate. Um, but that got the DS thinking there's another church that is nearer to where I live. Cause I don't live right beside my church. Um, that uh, was fixing to close. I mean, they are not really able to pay. They can pay their building and, uh, and like their, their expenses, but they really can't pay any more than a quarter time pastor. And so, um, the DS just thought this was a good solution that like the church that I'm at right now and this other church can, um, join forces and, uh, together pay me. So that's, that's what we're doing. Uh, but because the other church is, uh, was really planning on closing. I mean, the DS planned to close it until this, this option came up. Um, they, they are not a particularly joyful bunch <laughs> in this moment. And like, also it's the middle of a pandemic and starting a, a new pastorate in the middle of a pandemic when cases are going up in North Carolina, they might not move us to, phase three, which is when we would be able to gather inside and like no amount of cleaning plans are going to help this, you know, like it's, um, and cases are going up even now in the part of the state that I'm in. Uh, so I was a, a Debbie Downer with a lot of their stuff where I was like, no, you can't just have individuals wipe down their seats because you're all going to sit in the same seats each week. Like you are opening up yourselves to lawsuits by doing this. And, um, uh, and 
and it, it was just kind of awkward because the previous, that the outgoing pastor had, I'm not an elder. So somebody had to preside over the meeting where we talked about the money. Um, mm-hmm. and she just kind of left after that and was like, I'll let you get to know your new pastor. And I didn't have anything to say to these people. <laughs> like I, I didn't have, um, it's because it's kind of a purely financial decision. I can't say that I'm like so excited to be uh, doing this. Like I am and I, and I'm not like, I, I, I like new beginnings. I, I like the routine of like, it's a new year. Let's, let's do something new and explore. I like the beginnings of things a lot. Um, but I also like long-term don't plan to like stay here and save either of these churches, nor is it my job to save them. Um, but like, really I'm in the uncomfortable situation of being essentially an interim through a pandemic. And that's, uh, I, it's, it's hard to walk into that with a ton of, uh, joy and excitement. I did find out that one of my friends from college, one of my good friends from college, who's a pastor in the North Carolina conference now actually went to this church a lot as a kid. Cause she would come and visit her cousins up here. So she has a lot mm. of fond memories of it and that's fun. And so like, I, I will be able to be excited about it. And they have a whole booklet about their stained glass windows, which look real similar to the stained glass windows of the other church that we don't have any information on. So I might be able to like fill in some of our history. And so that's exciting. Um, but this church is just hanging on. There's a lay leader who has been doing basically everything. And um, they like, they are hanging on by a thread. And I, I just don't the, the kind of, um, the difficulty kind of inherent in this is, has me down, but I'm sure that I will, I'll find a way to be more excited about it. (laughs) I, and I, I, like, I hate to be like that. (laughs) I just don't, it's, uh, everybody's like, oh, they're so, it's so glad that you're there and they're so lucky to have you and all this kind of stuff, which, you know, I appreciate the compliments. My ego is, is happy to have them. Um, but like, this is a church that should close. (laughs) And Uh, yeah. And the fact that I'm like helping it hang on for another year, like my, my goal with this church and God proved me wrong, but my goal with this church is just to help it have like, a grace-filled, joy-filled goodbye, uh, and to honor the ministry that has happened in this place, and to think about how after after this gathering is done, uh, what where people will go and what new life will form after this death, like what resurrection will there be uh, mm. with this? And and I think that like that's a good and holy thing too, because um, there's just there's no. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but there's just no financial coming back from the pandemic and the ensuing depression. You know, like this is, this is just going to be a time when churches close and this is going to be one of those churches. So, uh, that's, that's the new thing on, on my plate. That's great. I mean, it's not great. Like, I'm sorry that, that (laughs) you're, you're not super excited, but, but I think it's cool that you get to, you know, meet new people and, and have a different set of responsibilities in that way, like keeps things fresh. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think I'm mostly down about it right now because, um, there just wasn't a lot of excitement in the meeting. Cause again, these are people whose church is closing. Like they are, they are nervous. They are panicked. They're also, you know, all over the age of 65 in the middle of a global pandemic and church isn't returning to normal. And right. like all of those things that would have made this more of a like upbeat meeting are not there. <laughs> so it's, um, and we, two of the, two of the women in the congregation who are people keeping things going have lost their husbands in the past years. There's a lot of grieving happening. Um, and it's, yeah, I, like I, if I could like sit down with a Bible study and like meet people and, and really like get into like the teaching stuff that I like to do and all that kind of stuff, then I think I would be more positive about it. Uh, cause I like that potential is there by the um the, there is also the underlying situation of what it is so i think yeah. i'll be more excited come middle of july when i actually start doing things there depending on what happens with the pandemic and how we um how we kind of go from there i've been exploring like they do a newsletter with like a message basically that's what the um the outgoing pastor has been doing it has been mailing those out. And, uh, so I'm looking forward to that extra paperwork. Uh, but like I've been exploring, there's an option where people can call into a phone number and listen to a recording of your sermon. So for oh, people wow. who don't have the internet, we can do that. Um, and I've been investigating why none of the CDs are working on devices. Oh, it's been a whole, it's been a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> For people who are like pastors aren't doing church, they're not doing nothing. You're you're wrong. I've been doing right. so much research. Um, yeah. So that's the new church. Um, I went to like the thing that I am actually excited about. Unless you have a question about the no, you no no. Tell me more. <laughs> tell me more. You're good. Uh, the um uh the thing that I am actually excited about is the the street medic community that I am now a part of. Uh there was a a solidarity march in the town that I live in for Black Lives Matter things. Um and I wanted to go as a clergy person uh and just kind of be there as a support. Uh and so I signed up with the medics to be a part of their team. Uh, and I now know what you do in case somebody has a gunshot wound. So that's exciting. And I know the absolute best way to get um, uh, tear gas out of people's eyes. So that is also exciting. Um, but there's there's a Facebook group and we have like nicknames now. And we have like a, a mascot. <laughs> and the people in the group, I like as we were just like shooting the breeze at before um the walk began and before we started to like do our medic thing um like they're they're all just like fun interesting people to be around and to talk to and i'm like oh i found my group i'm just so excited um and they're one of them is cherokee so she uh, has a lot of connections in the tribe but also just has a really um a really good spirit and is really thoughtful and is also like in charge of things. And it's nice to just be part of a group where somebody's in charge of things instead of me. 
Um, and so I like as part of the street medic thing, we basically, it's almost like being a lifeguard again, <laughs> which was fun because you just like watch the crowd and make sure like everybody's doing okay. And, uh, I think all we really did was give away bottles of water this past time. It was fine. Uh, because the police doing something helpful, uh, they got rid of the, the counter protesters by the Confederate monument who had rifles because you are not allowed to have uh guns under north carolina law at these kind of things so that's good um but yeah so it was it was a perfectly fine protest uh and so i had been walking around with the medics and and in that group and then a friend of mine who's a reporter for the public radio we went and did a lap to see if there was a counter demonstration happening after the march was over um and as we were, there wasn't, it was fine. And as we were walking back to the main site for the, uh, for the walk, um, we, there was a group of people who had been protesting who were, had like a Black Lives Matter sign. And we came up on uh, them and a man who was getting into his souped up pickup truck and mm -hmm. uh they're like yell there you can tell that they're tense and they're getting ready to yell at each other um and i could tell that the guy who was getting into his truck was getting a little bit more agitated and so and the friends of the the guy with the sign were trying to like get him to go on too and so like they were about to go nose to nose to each other so i just stepped in between the two of them to like stop that from happening uh and everybody in the situation was white and the um the the protesters got to walk away and got down the street uh, and the guy yelled at them and then called me a bitch and then got in his car and left um, yeah yeah and i like i'm there with a i'm not i'm a licensed local pastor i'm not supposed to wear a stole but i had a stole to like mark me as a clergy person because it was hot and i wasn't gonna wear my collar so i'm there like in my soul like in with my like medic tags on as well so i'm like clearly marked as a person who's here to help and she, he just calls me that to my face uh so that was that's like my badge of honor from from protesting this week <laughs> i was able to diffuse some conflict and that's like it's it's i have seen people again on twitter be like churches in the streets now and um i have found that to be uh true in a in a way that i'm a little bit uncomfortable with is that like there have been more holy moments i have done more work uh that i feel like is working toward bringing about the reign of god apart from my church and it feels like the my job as a pastor is um uh, extraneous <laughs> to like the real work that that i'm doing in this moment but i also know that like this is this moment and there is there's building work to do afterwards uh, in terms mm -hmm. of continuing people's awareness and things like this and again like i really thought <laughs> i like i gave my resume as i was introducing myself to my new church uh, because as Ian said, I'm a, I'm a millennial woman and I feel like the way to get, um, to get, uh, authority with a group is to tell them all the things that I've done. And so I'm like listing off all of my degrees and my pedigree, which may have also led to the coldness because I didn't care about that. Um, but like so much of, of what I've done has been science and religion focused. I really thought that I could just like 
hang out over there <laughs> and deal with that conflict and not have to get into this stuff. But like the, the nitty gritty of what I've been doing is doing a lot of this unpacking the harm that the church has done, uh, unpacking the harm that white people have done and helping people to like grow past that, which is good and holy work, just not the work that I expected to do. <laughs> it rarely is. It rarely is. <laughs> I I always expected to do very different work than the kind of work that I've been doing. Fair, and fair. Here, and here we are. <laughs> here, here we are. So you are, uh, but you're a pastor in exile, right? Like you are in between things. I How am. Do you anticipate that going? It's been interesting. I am. Um, I'm so I'm the pastor at the church here for the next two weeks or so, two Sundays. And so what that looks like is um, because we're still online, I'm going to be uh, getting online, getting on Facebook Live and and doing sermons and prayers and all kinds of stuff. I'll probably check in uh, on other kind of funny videos on Facebook Live. Um, I'm still fielding calls from the music director and, and other congregants. There's all kinds of stuff I'm doing. Wow. Um, and that's fun. Like, like I'm okay with it. Like this is stuff that I don't mind doing, but it's interesting to do it all in my pajamas, uh, at my parents and or in-laws house. (laughs) Um, I, yeah, it's interesting. So I will be back in, in the town in where I serve uh, one more time for Drea's three-year checkup. Oh. Um, where I'll be collecting some stuff that's currently in the choir room of the church that belongs to me. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't have enough room. And, you know, it, it, it'll be good. Like, it, it's an interesting thing to experience as I'm wrapping up my time as a pastor. Um at least for the next five or, or so years. And uh, I'm shocked at how much more relaxed I am. Maybe it's just because some of this move stuff is over and mm-hmm. and the transition is sort of coming to an end, but it's shocking at how relaxed I am. And, and it's also shocking at how, you know, how little I was able to train people into being more efficient. <laughs> Um, <laughs> don't tell me that it's, it's amazing i so i had a, a funny when he listens to this he's gonna yell at me well i had a funny little argument with with nick um nick uh, pastor nick a listener and friend of the podcast and uh, where we talked about you know what what the future is going to look like because Joe, as you know, and listeners, as you know, just about every millennial United Methodist pastor has to be thinking about what life will look like not as a United Methodist pastor, mm-hmm. um, because that's a very real possibility. And I told Nick, I, I was like, well, I mean, you know, there's always a nonprofit sector, like you, you'll be, you, you'll have experience in that. He's like, no, I won't. And I'm like, uh, yeah, you will. Like, you will have run a nonprofit for a living for a little while. And That's he goes, true. and then he goes, but have I really? And I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? 
Of course you have. Like the the things about our job, the things about the church that are nonprofit work are are nonprofit work everywhere you go. Connecting with people to want to participate in your nonprofit, building vision, creating excitement, you know. Mm-hmm. All, all of that stuff makes you quite capable of working in the nonprofit sector, like as in a number of capacities. And, uh, and the funny thing is, is like, this is the kind of work that I kind of like, like, I actually kind of like this part of the job, you know, I kind of like the non, the nonprofit jobby part of it. Um, I don't think I'm too bad at it. I think the stuff that I'm really good at is the nerdy theology stuff, you know, but like, but I don't, I don't think I'm bad at this kind of work, you know, and, and this is the stuff that like, I can still do remotely, you know, and, and. And and in exile, it's interesting to watch uh, that that you know three years wasn't enough to get people to do what I need them to do, you know, in ter- as an administrator, right? As yeah. a as somebody who's like, this is the process for how we handle complaints, or this is the process for how we do this, this, and this. And uh, <laughs> from in exile, it's really obvious, like. Mm-hmm. This this Wednesday, so today, as we're recording, uh, the music director is going to get on Facebook Live and do a hymn sing. Hmm. And um, when I talked to him this morning, he was like, "No, I haven't been on Facebook for the last three days since you invited me to become administrator for the Facebook page." And I was like, "Oh, well, you need to do that." He's like, "Yeah, I know." And uh, I don't know how to get on Facebook Live. I also don't have access to a, to comparable Wi-Fi, so I have to go into the church. Also, can I get into the office? Because that's where the best Wi-Fi is. Also, where is the amp? Also, <laughs> how do I con- – and, 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 and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, haven't you been paying attention? Like, haven't you been paying attention for the last several months while we did all this online? Nope. No. Nope, they haven't. No, I haven't. So. That's – I think I think that's something that confuses my people because I very intentionally teach them things. Like yeah. when I worked for the planetarium and I did the portable, it, whenever I was teaching somebody or somebody was, I knew somebody was going to take this on, even kind of when they weren't, I was like, this is how this works. This is how this, this is what you plug in here. This is what we need. This is how we troubleshoot. And I think people were puzzled by that, but like, no, I need you to know these things. Like if I'm running this whole show by myself, I need a backup. And so I have been uh, really aggressively teaching people how everything works. Because if I just, you know, drop off the face of the earth one day, or like if I get COVID, right, I don't think need things to come to a grinding halt for however long it takes for me to get over whatever sickness. Like, you people can do this. It's not, it does not take my degrees to do this, and I can teach you to do it. You just got to do it. (laughs) But it's, uh, and you're completely right. But it's fascinating at how um, resistant they are. Yeah. <laughs> People are to that. I think it's a church thing. I think yeah. that it's it's hard for church folks to see kind of what they're doing as as being a part of a nonprofit, you know. And and I think that's one of the reasons why church is always so strange and bad. Yeah. Um, because I think some folks think it sort of occupies this this other space, this like special space that, that uh, enjoys nonprofit 
tax stuff mm-hmm. and and also doesn't have to comply with any best practices of nonprofits. And you've got those, the church is like a business crowd, you know, as well. And it's just, it's just all very strange when really it's really not that hard. It's just a nonprofit. Like, you know, I guess ecclesiologically I'm wrong, but like, I'm also not, you know, the Methodist church would be in a hundred percent of a better place if it, understood itself as an active nonprofit and also had a more robust ecclesiology for, you know, uh, things like that. But uh, yeah. whatever. Well, we can't solve all the world's problems today. One miracle at a time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, one thing that's kind of coming up to me as we're talking about all of this is that um, the the weight of the problems often feels insurmountable, mm-hmm. but it really isn't like you just, um, you really just have to like sit down and be like, this is what we have to fix. And yes, it's going to take effort. And yes, we, we have things that we're going to have to work through and yes, maybe the outcome isn't going to be uh, what we dream it would be, but there is a way in which things can be better. We don't have to be resigned to the way things are right now. And I find that to be really helpful. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're very right. How do you feel about wrapping up? I think that's good. No, I thought this was good too. I thought this was good too. Yeah. Cool. Well, well, friends, thanks for listening. This has been another episode of What the Hell is a Pastor? We are Ethan and Joe, and we will see you next time. And, uh, and you know, there was, honey, I'm podcasting. <laughs> Baby, what are you doing? You want to say hi on the podcast? All right, say hi quick. Come over to the microphone. Say hi. Hi. Hi, Atreya. (laughs) Why are you doing this to me? (laughs) I'll be done, I promise. I'll be done in a bit, and then I'll come out and play, okay? Yes, I will. Of course I will. You can't right now. I can't right now? Oh, okay. But you can. But I can. (laughs) Okay. Lovely. Anyway.